The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Thank you for being with us this morning. Open your Bible with me, if you will, to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And while you're turning to that, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered what happens to all the preaching in the world? You know, we've got one church here, a great group of people, probably the largest group anywhere gathered in Shelby County, maybe this morning, but there are 3,200 Baptist churches alone, not counting the Christian Missionary Alliance and the Pentecostal and the Church of God, the National Baptist and the Progressive Baptist and all the uh, Presbyterians and everywhere, all over just Alabama and all over the nation. And somewhere in most of these churches, someone's going to be trying to do just what I'm going to try to do here and what other ministers do. That is teaching and preaching the Word of God. What happens to all that preaching? Well, Jesus comes as near as anywhere, I think, answering that here in the passage that we want to read this morning. So look in your own Bible, Matthew chapter 13. And you may want to write in the margin of your Bible, one of the unique things about this chapter is There are more parables in Matthew 18 than any other chapter of the Bible. At least seven parables in this chapter. Look with me beginning in verse 1 as he tells the first of seven. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got in a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. You know, we say we do everything the Bible says. Well, if we do that, I need to sit down and you need to stand up. That's what he said he did. That he sat down and the folks stood up. Well, we're not going to flip sides here, but maybe if they did that, it'd be a shorter sermons. But anyway, here he sat down and they're standing on the shore. And he told them many things in parables. We'll come back and talk about that in a moment, saying, and here's the first one. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because They had no root, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now skip over to verse 18 of this chapter, and let me tell you why we're doing this. Altogether, there are perhaps 60 different parables that Jesus told that we have a record of in the Bible. Only two, 
Only two did he interpret the parable. And they're both here in chapter 18, uh, 13 of the Gospel of Matthew. The other one is the parable of the wheat and the tares. But here, beginning in verse 18, Jesus doesn't leave the people to deduce what he meant. He tells them exactly what he meant. Look, if you will, beginning in verse 18. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And here it is. You want to know what he meant by that parable? Listen. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path or the hard ground. Verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the word that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But, verse 23, the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Jesus was a master teacher. We recognize some of our teachers this morning. Every teacher who's ever tried to teach in secular field or in the Christian church can learn from the master teacher of all. He was the master teacher. And parables were one of the main popular vehicles he used to teach. Altogether, there are about 60 of them found in our Bible. And here in Matthew 8, uh, 13, more than any other chapter. I learned as a little boy going to church in Sunday school, just like these young people who had to do this morning. And wasn't this a marvelous group? I hope you realize the awesome responsibility we have as a church to be able to shape this many young lives. As a little boy, like they were, I heard someone, I don't even remember who, explained this definition of a parable, and I've never found a better one, and here it was, that a parable that was Jesus' most popular way of teaching is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, you can hardly prove on that, and you can hardly forget it. An earthly story that people could see with a deeper meaning, a heavenly meaning. Now, Jesus used this vehicle to do this, to teach people. So he would use something familiar to them. And it's very conceivable right here in this parable that he's sitting here in the boat, the people are gathered on the shore, and he looks up on the hillside, and there's a farmer planting seed. Now, how many of you grew up on a farm? Let's say you had. I thought so. Now, some of you who grew up on a farm, you city folks take my word for it. I lived on a farm every summer that I could as a little boy. I like to live on it. Some planting is you dig a little hole, you plant a seed, you go down a little farther and dig a little hole, plant. we call it a hill, and you plant seed, and that's the way you plant it. That's not the kind of planting that he's talking about here. Other planting was what we call broadcasting. You'd get a bucket and a bunch of seed in it, you'd grab a handful and throw it up, and it would 
scatter and you throw another handful and you broadcasted the seed. That's what they say. He said, maybe he saw a farmer up here sowing seed like that. And the seed went everywhere in order to cover a large area. Now, don't miss this next point. A guiding principle is that in agriculture, the fate outcome of any seed is dependent upon the soil in which it's planted and the subsequent cultivation of that soil. One more time now. The fate of any seed in agriculture is dependent upon the soil into which it's planted and the cultivation of that soil. For instance, if I took a handful of seed and scattered them on this platform today, you could be here till Jesus comes. There ain't no seed going to come up out of this platform. Why? Because there's no nutrients here. There's no, it's not soil. It's just a piece of cloth, a carpet, and wood underneath there. So, but the fate of any seed soon is dependent upon the soil into which it's planted and the cultivation of it. Now, the application of that that Jesus is making here is, and this is what you particularly want to remember in this worship service, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if whatever, the fate of any spoken word is dependent upon the response made by the hearers of that word. May I say that one more time? And if you miss everything, don't miss that. The fate of any spoken word is dependent upon the hearer and the response the hearer makes to that word. If you can't understand that, then let me ask you. You ever told your best joke? An old deadpan joke said, yeah, what's so funny about that? He didn't have any sense of humor. He doesn't get the point. Now, the fate of any spoken word is dependent upon the response made by the hearers. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here in this parable. He is showing us, if I can understand what he's telling them here, that in this particular parable, the sower of the seed is the teacher or the preacher, whichever it may be. The seed is the word of God itself. And the soil are the hearts or the minds of the people who are going to be hearing. There it is in a nutshell. The sower, the teacher, the preacher. The seed, the word of God. The soil, the various responses by the hearers. Now, there are two things that I want you to see quickly in this passage we've read here. One, there is a lesson for those of us who are hearers of the word. And secondly, there's a lesson for those of us who are sowers of the word. So, basically, as Jesus has interpreted this parable to those of us who are hearers of the word, he essentially says there are four different kinds of hearers of the word of God. And here they are in words that you can remember. Those who are hearers of the word. Four kinds of responses we can make to the word of God. Number one is what I would call in language we can remember a shut mind. You know what I'm talking about? 
here it's called the path, uh, the wayside in the King James. He, he hears the word, but he does not understand because his mind is shut. Now, some people have a shut mind because they're mentally lazy. They just don't want to think. In fact, if I could just get lost people to just T-H-I-N-K, think. If the Bible is true and Jesus is the Son of God and He's the only way to be saved and there is a heaven and there is a hell, it doesn't take a very smart person to say, I want to listen to that and do what He tells me to do. But thousands of people don't. Why? They have a shut mind. It's closed. They do not understand. Now Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, the God of this world, the devil, blinds their mind. And that happens sometimes. Some people are mentally lazy. Some people are just closed-minded. They said, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. I'm not going to become a Christian. I'm not going to live for God. And there are people in the world just like that. Closed-minded. Shut mind. And Jesus said, sometimes. The seed of the Word of God falls on that kind of heart. And he says, it falls here, he says, on the path. Now, or the wayside, the King James says, but that's a little misleading. They didn't have sidewalks in that day and time. Little pieces of ground in between them would oftentimes be paths where you would walk from one neighbor to another neighbor, or even all of the neighbors into town. Or people who could have a donkey or a burrow, they would ride. And usually they would ride up and down these paths, much like if you've been out of the woods, as I've been many times, you see old logging trails where it's matted down. And that soil has been trampled on for so long, it is absolutely impenetrable. It'd be just like putting seed on the top of this carpet. It's the path where people have walked and walked and walked. Well, inevitably, if you're broadcasting seed and you throw it, some of it's going to fall on that path. It doesn't penetrate. It doesn't germinate any life. And so it dies. He says, when we're teaching and preaching to some people, their mind is closed. They have a shut mind. So they do not hear the impact of the word of God. Secondly, he says, some people have a shallow mind. Here it's called the rocky places. That, and what he's talking about there, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, guides have explained to you that all over much of the agricultural area of Israel today, there is underneath the subsoil, there is a thin shale of soil, and then beneath it, there's solid limestone rock, impenetrable. And oftentimes, as the sower would throw his seed, some of it would fall on what we would call that topsoil, just a little thin layer, maybe two inches thick. And immediately, it would send down roots and it would begin to spring up. Then it would hit that solid limestone sheath underneath it. And it can't go any farther. And so the Bible says it has no root, it lasts for a short time and quickly falls away. It dies. Now come to the spiritual side. Jesus is talking about the human heart. People who respond to the word of God. Some have a shut mind. They make no response. Some have a shallow mind. 
they make what we would call an emotional response. They hear a song or they hear a preacher or they hear the word of God. Oh, I've had a bad experience. Mama just died. I need God. And so they respond. But then Jesus says quickly, they fall away. You know people just like that. They have walked the aisle of your church and my church. They may have even been baptized. And three months from now, they're nowhere to be found. Are they saved? Absolutely not, according to Jesus. He doesn't say they're saved. He just said they have a shallow mind. Momentarily, there is a response, but there's no change of life. There's no fruit, and they wither away. Why? A shallow mind with no depth and no comprehension, an emotional response. Sometimes people can come to your church and they respond to the preaching of Brother Mike or Dr. Pittman or me, and, but then they vanish away. Why? Because some other preacher comes or some other guru on television or some other healer and they make an emotional response to them. A shallow mind. Thirdly, Jesus said, some people have what I call a split mind or you might prefer a divided mind. That is, they hear the word and yet two problems. If they are poor people, the worries, cares of this world strangle out the word of God. If they're wealthy people, the deceitfulness of riches bother them, crowded out. You see what he's doing? Jesus knew the human personality and basically he divides mankind into two sides. Poor people have many worries and sometimes they can hear the word and respond, but because of the worries, the cares of this life, they fall by the wayside. On the other hand, Sometimes wealthy people can respond, and yet quickly they're deceived by wealth. Listen to me carefully. Nowhere does the Bible say that it's impossible for a wealthy person to become a Christian. It is not, but it's hard. Why? Because wealth creates a sense of independence. The more money you have, the more prosperous you are, the less dependent you are on anything, anybody, or much less God. But the more less we have, the more dependent we are upon Him. Now, it's not impossible for a wealthy person to become a Christian. Uh, I have a dear friend over in Georgia, I'll call his name in a moment, that many of you know whether you've ever met him or not. He is extremely wealthy. He may be the wealthiest friend I have. I don't have but three. <laughs> no, the point of the matter is, Truett Cathy, who's the founder of Chick-fil-A, is a dear friend of us. And, and he is a committed Christian. For years taught 12-year-old boys Sunday school. Founded Chick-fil-A years ago. Now over 1,500 of those restaurants all over the nation, never opened on Sunday and run by Christian principles. And he and his family, three, two boys and a girl, have made millions of dollars. But you know what? I wish I could tell you I know thousands of people like that. I don't. They're here and there. Why? Because the deceitfulness of riches. People can think, well, if they've got a lot, they don't need God. Listen, 
I remember reading of a wealthy man in Oklahoma who had struck all on his land. He later became a good donor for the Southwestern Seminary. His name was William Fleming. And someone said, Mr. Fleming, with the oil on your land, looks like you're going to become a wealthy man. And he made this prayer, oh, dear God, don't let it make a fool out of me. Money has made a fool out of many people. It doesn't have to. You can be wealthy and spiritual. Abraham was a wealthy man. Job was a wealthy man. Joseph of Arimathea in the New Testament seems to have had wealth. You can become a Christian and have wealth, but it's hard. Some people have a split mind when they hear the word of God. Finally, look at the fourth kind. Some people have a sensible mind. Jesus said, they call, he calls it in both the King James and the NIV, the good soul. They hear the word and they understand. In other words, you may be here this morning. Maybe you hear it during the revival. You heard Brother Bob preach and you've heard Brother Mike preach and you've heard me preach. And increasingly the Lord is using his word to help you see Sin is a reality. Jesus died for the sinners of the world. He offers the free gift of eternal life. And you're increasingly open to that word. That's the sensible mind. That's the good Saul. You hear, you understand. I need Jesus. I need to be saved as a boy or girl. I've not made a public profession of faith in Christ. I've not followed Christ obediently as you saw Donnie baptize these others earlier in the service. I need Jesus Christ. And this morning you can come. You're responding sensibly to what you've heard, the word of God. Now quickly, let me say to you, there's not only lessons here for the sowers of the word, but I mean for the hearers of the word, there's also lessons here for the those of us who do the sowing of the word, you who are teachers and those who are preachers, there's some lessons we need to hear that are very applicable to us. For the hearer, they need to be present, they need to be attentive, and they need to be obedient to what they hear. But for the sowers of the word, there's some lessons we need to remember. And here they are, let me give you just three. As we seek to communicate to people as Christians and sow the seed of the word of God and keep in mind what happens to all the preaching of the world. World, It goes out like seed, the seed of the word of God falls on different kinds of hearts. Some have a shut mind, some have a shallow mind, some have a split mind, some have a sensible mind. What are we going to do? For one thing, don't become indifferent. You know, I've talked to many Christians who tried to witness and share their faith and it, it didn't work the first time. And so they say, well, if, if that's where it's going to be, I just can't do it. Somebody else is going to have to do this. That's a devil's lie, dear friend. Listen, go back to that farmer. If he had not sowed the seed in all the places, he would not have reaped it in any of the places. Everybody we preach to, everybody we witness to, Everybody that comes to our concerts, everybody is not going to respond. They never have and they never will, but some will. And it's because of that. When they're not let their apathy, their, their lack of response precipitate 
apathy on our part, indifference on our part. Just let them die and go to hell. Now, we don't say that, but that's what it means if we just say, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Don't let it precipitate indifference. But secondly, don't become impatient. Now, I'm saying that to me and just letting you listen. You're listening to one of the most impatient human beings you will ever meet. Uh, my wife will be here in the next service and she can say amen to that. I'm impatient. I thought both of our girls were retarded when they took them nine months before they ever learned to walk. I started telling them how to walk when they were three months old. I'm joking you a little bit, but not much. I'm talking about it. just don't become impatient in the sowing of the seed of the word of God. For you see, you and I are not responsible for speeding up the harvest. You can't do that. I can't do that. We're responsible for faithfully sowing the seed of the word of God. Only God can give the harvest. We can't speed it up. If that's too hard for you to understand, maybe you can remember it this way. You don't hatch a baby chick by throwing an egg in a microwave. What did he say? I said, sir, you don't hatch a baby chick by throwing an egg in a microwave. Now, some of you folks grew up on a farm. Explain to them how long it takes for an egg to hatch sometime. You can't make it happen. You can't just all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to go out here and witness today. And my neighbor, my friend, my colleague, they ought to be saved today. You do the sowing. Leave the harvesting up to God. We can't be saved for them. We can't make them become a Christian. But we can faithfully, persistently, consistently sow the seed of the word of God. Don't become indifferent. Don't become impatient. But lastly, don't become discouraged. That's one of the devil's greatest weapons against those of us who are Christians and who are trying to witness and lead people to faith in Christ and to Christian churches like yours and mine that are wanting to see people saved. Don't become discouraged. Remember this. God has promised always to bless the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God. He will always do it. He always has and He always will. Doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved any more than every seed's going to come up. But some of it's going to come up. And if we sow enough seed, we're going to reach more people than if we don't sow any seed at all. Why? God said in Isaiah 55, 1, So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I desire and have achieved the purpose for which I sent it. What's God saying? You can't be a failure if you sow the seed of the word of God. It is that true. It is his word, not your word. And it is up to him to give the harvest and to give the increase. But it is up to us not to be successful, but to be faithful in the sowing of the seed. And I promise you, if all of us here at First Baptist Pelham will faithfully sow the seed of the word of God in Shelby County and to the ends of the earth, God is going to give a harvest. Sometime we see it Sunday after Sunday. Sometime it takes time for it to germinate, but God's going to give the harvest. For those of us who are sowers of the word, remember, 
you're not responsible. We are responsible that people hear the word of God. That when we go out, it's not just letting others see Jesus in us and talking to them about what God's done for us. Share the seed of the word of God. The best soul winners are those who use the scripture. That's what God promises to bless. And for those who are hearers of the word, you are responsible this morning, August the 17th, 2014. You're responsible for what you do with what you hear. Maybe you've been here in our church the last several weeks and you've heard Brother Mike or Brother Bob preach or me preach. And you said, you know, I need to think about spiritual things. I need to think about eternal destiny. I need to think about where I'm going when I die. I need to think about how I'm living while I'm alive. And I realize more than anything in all the world, I need Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing. I'm going to ask you to move out from wherever you'll be standing and say, Charles, this morning, I've heard the word. I'll have a sensible, open mind. I want to respond today. Would you bow with me for just a moment? And with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you from the depths of our heart for your word and that we're not responsible for what happens when we sow it but help us to be faithful sowing. For those who've heard your word earlier or today, help them to respond positively in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with us? And as Paula leads us in singing our hymn, we'll meet you right here at the front as you come making your response to God's invitation. And Donnie and I will be here to welcome you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.